This is a work of fiction. Written, narrated, and produced by me, Dennis Macareg. Please subscribe to my podcast and share it with friends. The sound of a motorboat zooming on the Grand Canal wakes me. As my eyes slowly open, the bright morning light filtering through the glass window blinds me. Olivia's arm is draped over my chest and the sheet pulled down uncovering her naked back. Kissing her neck, the trace of yesterday's perfume is still evident. From the bedside phone, I call the front desk to reserve a table for us for breakfast. As I put the phone back on the cradle, she wakes. I'm getting hungry, Olivia says, rubbing my calf with her foot. We play footsie, tickle each other, and roll around the bed, laughing nonstop. Let's just stay in bed all day. It's almost 10. We're going to miss breakfast, Olivia says, getting out of bed. The hotel staff directs us to the roof terrace. We sit down at the table where a basket of warm bread and a plate of butter and fruit jam are waiting for us. I get a cappuccino and Olivia orders a glass of orange juice. We are so high that we can see half of Venice. Spreading the jam on my bread, I look Olivia straight in the eye. She meets my gaze as if she already knows my question. I'm about to tell her what's on my mind when the waiter interrupts us, holding a plate of olives, salami, and a bowl of soft-boiled eggs. Saying nothing, we eat in silence. It's our last day, and we're both aware of the pressing situation, but neither one of us has the courage to say out loud what's needed to be said. We need to talk about what we're going to do next. Since she mentioned that she still has a week before she needs to go back to work, I want her to fly back to San Diego with me. With my light work schedule, an extended vacation could supply plenty of time for us to be together. Sugar? She asks. Okay. She tears open a packet and stares it in my cup. The other hotel guests sitting at the next table are oblivious to the drama between us. Then she blurts out the words I don't ever want to hear. Looking straight at me, she says, I know what's on your mind, and it's never gonna work. We live more than a thousand miles away from each other. We can make it work. And what about our responsibilities? We can't spend our entire day working. We need someone to be with, to inspire us, and to hold hands with, and to cheer us up when we are feeling lonely. Tears roll down her cheek. I hand her a napkin and she wipes them dry. From afar, lovers are riding on gondolas, having the time of their lives. It's hard to believe that we were just like them two days ago. Even if we wanted to go on, 
Are we just going to talk on the phone till we fall asleep at night? I'll go to Seattle every month. A round-trip flight is only $200. It's well within my budget. And if you can come down to see me, you can stay in my apartment. I have a spare bedroom. As a purchasing agent for the company, she has the option of telecommuting two weeks per month. It might be fun for a while, but one of us will eventually get tired of all the traveling. A long-distance love affair can be difficult to maintain. It will only end up in disaster. We'll be more miserable if we don't even try. We might regret not pursuing what we feel at this moment. With downcast eyes, she says, maybe if we had met at another time and in another place, this could all work out. It would be better if we leave our encounter and the way we found it and pretend meeting each other was some sort of dream that it never really happened. What do you mean? Meeting in Venice is a perfect place and the timing is excellent. I know, my fear is irrational and unfounded, but the only thing we have is now. The future is complicated and we can only plan on what we can see in front of us. I get it, and what I see are blissful days ahead. In the end, we don't agree on anything. I reach across the table for her hand. She squeezes mine as if telling me not to go. Getting up from the table, I know it truly is the end of our brief Venetian love affair. After climbing down the stairs, I turn to her for one last glimpse. She's looking at a point across the lagoon in the far distance while patting her eyes dry. Our storybook romance has run its course and the time has come to end it. Walking back to my hotel, gray clouds move in to cover the sky, mirroring the melancholy pressing on my chest. The buildings that were brilliant under the clear sky are now subdued and monochromatic. I came to Venice alone, met Olivia, but unfortunately will be leaving by myself. A water bus docks at the station, a new batch of travelers are arriving. Gondolas appear and disappear into the tiny canals. Footsteps of pedestrians and muted conversations are coming from afar. Is life cruel or do the fates not include another chance at love for me? Am I only allowed to take a whiff of it, but not to fully inhale its splendor? A couple with their fingers linked is walking on the uneven pavement and are wrapped in bliss and enchantment. Aren't they just like Olivia and me in the past two days? Please check out my latest novel, A Whisper to the Moon, at online retailers and at bookstores where it's available. Thank you for listening to episode 15 of my podcast. 
on this final scene, I wrote it in a way that I didn't really have to elaborate much about uh, spending the night together in a hotel. It's obvious what happened, and so I just left it as is. This is a typical romantic plot where discovering each other is such a magical experience, but the time is up and reality sets in. We've all been in this situation where we've um, had a fling with someone when we were younger. I don't know if we're aware or if we are not aware. We all know that it will eventually end. Many of us have experienced that summer love where the feeling is so intense and you find that you are deeply involved with this person until the attraction between the two of you just magically blossoms. You watch movie together, you, I don't know, maybe ride a bike together, go to the park, simple things like that. It's just this, this magic, so to speak. But next thing you know, summer is gone and it's time to say goodbye. She has to go somewhere, go back to school. Maybe she's just visiting her aunt that summer. You are aware that it's going to be over. And when the final day comes, it just, uh, well, it hurts. It's that heart-wrenching kind of uh, feeling as if your heart is ripped out of your chest. But you're a kid and you bounce back and school comes and you tend to forget that summer and about that girl. Not that you really forget about her. It's just we have a way of resiliency as kids to kind of push it away for now. So she goes back to her hometown. We go back to our daily routine and we think about that summer and the feeling of seeing her again the following year. But this is the weird thing. When finally that summer comes around this girl again, there are only two feelings involved. Either the reception will be lukewarm as if nothing really happened during the previous summer. But whatever happens when the summer ends and you end up losing the girl or you end up losing the boy, that is the part where it is the most painful. So in this scene, this particular scene, they wake up. I believe he woke up to the sound of the motorboats uh, zooming through the Grand Canal. The place we stayed had a free breakfast downstairs and the lobby was kind of like cramped and the dining room was kind of like full of guests. But in this scene, I had them go upstairs in one of these uh, rooftop terraces kind of thing. I've always heard about them in Venice. They're really popular. It's another way for the Venetians to kind of like have a private type of um, outdoor balcony without people looking at them. And I've also heard that there are places where you could actually have your food served in this one of these places. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner or something like that. So I added it because the scene would make it more um, dramatic per se. Since Venice had a limited space, rooftop terrace is really popular. Because it's the last day, I wanted to see that image of Venice once again, knowing that um, they're not returning anymore. That's it. They're together. They're having breakfast. 
and they don't have any concrete plans on what to do next. This is the final scene and they really have to confront what they're supposed to do next. What are they going to do afterwards? They are in Venice. He lives in San Diego. She lives in Seattle. The situation is a big mess and they don't know what to do with each other and they don't know how to continue. He wants to continue, but she's wary. Long distance love affair is very complicated. So they tried to resolve the issue, but in the end, didn't really come up with any resolutions to figure out what to do next.